Hi there, my name is Maddie Miles, integrative health practitioner, menstrual cycle educator, clinical herbalist, and founder of Peace Love Hormones. Our mission is to educate and empower menstruators to take back control of their menstrual health through education and through top quality herbal nutraceuticals. And welcome to our amazing podcast show, where we will uncover why your health may be struggling and how to heal your hormones and optimize the health of your entire mind and body naturally. Now let's get to it. Okay, hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Peace Love Hormones podcast. I'm so excited to get into today's episode. I have Hannah here with me, an in-person podcast, which I have not done in probably like a year. So I'm really excited for this, with the exception of Braxton, but I feel like that doesn't even count because we live together. It's so easy to record together. So I'm really excited to get into today's topic. But before we do, I must hold my horses and just go over some Peace Love Hormones updates with you all. So right now it is December 7th, 2022. We're gearing up for the holidays and I will probably be taking a little bit of a break from just everything, but please feel free to still message me, message Peace Love Hormones, email us, email Katrina. We are still here for you, but just know we may be a little bit slower over the holidays, just taking a rest. And I really love the winter for you know, it's like an internal menstrual phase and our menstrual phase is an internal winter of really just like taking a step back, going slower and reflecting on the year. So that's what I'll be doing and I'll be in the mountains of Colorado. I'm very excited. But nonetheless, we are still releasing our new formula that I have been hyping up and I'm very excited to release that. I'm still not telling anyone what it is because it's a surprise. And so you'll just have to wait and see, but I was hoping to release it before December 25th, but I just don't think that will be possible this time around. We're still waiting for all of our paperwork to get come back from our organic certification lab. So probably more so like early to mid-January. And those are all my updates. As you all know, Braxton and I literally just moved into a new place on December 1st. So we're still just moving in and getting settled. Even though we leave in two weeks for a month, we're still trying as much as we can just to unpack all the boxes and to get cozy before we leave for the holidays with our families. So before we get into the episode today, I'm going to read the most recent Soothe review. So I'm getting, going down, most recent. Also, if you're listening to this on Spotify or iTunes, we do have videos up of this podcast episode on YouTube. So go check it out. If you're looking at our video on YouTube, you'll see that I'm on the Peace of Hormones website, which also I plan on doing a total redo and makeover in 2023. It's just an investment. So I've been holding off, but I'm very excited for that. So everyone go look at our website while it still looks this way because it's going to look very different in the next few months. So I want you to be able to see the improvement that we're going to have. Kylie L says about Soothe, love, love, love. I'm so happy with Soothe. It has been a total game changer in healing my cycle and period symptoms. I've been experiencing way less hormonal acne and mood swings, which is exactly what I needed from this product. And from girl to girl, I've noticed a change in the color of my cycle. I've noticed a true red color versus the brownish shade since being on birth control. I just know this stuff is pure magic. Nourish your body and invest in Soothe. 
Thank you so much for that review, Kylie. And thank you to you all who have submitted reviews. I love reading our reviews so much. Like if whenever I'm in a sad or down mood, which happens because I'm human, I will literally just go over to our website and just read the reviews. So thank you all so much. As my best girlfriend beautifully put it, she said that she's never seen reviews as amazing as Soothe, with the exception of some amazing vibrators. So on that note, I like flippin' loved that comment. We were all at the well eating uh-huh. dinner and she said that and everyone's just like shaking their head like yeah that's so true <laughs> and then we started talking about vibrators so that is like a perfect gateway into <laughs> our episode today which is all about sex and sensuality and all of the things I was telling one of my girlfriends the other day that I was having you on and you know her Tiffany Kinson and I was like I'm so excited because I had an episode very similar on this topic exactly a year ago I mean wow. not exactly like on the 7th of December but a year ago and I was just laughing with Tiffany because she knows me so well. And I was like, could you tell I was like a little bit like not uncomfortable? I don't think that's the right word, but I wasn't like fully expressive during that episode. Mm-hmm. And it was nothing on my guest. My guest was amazing. It was me. I felt like still like a little like I had some walls up. And she was like, oh, totally. And she's like, I'm so yeah. excited to hear this episode because like <laughs> you've grown so much over the last year with like your exploration of like what play is and like. First of all, like just even loving my own self more so that I could show up in the bedroom with like full yeah. like curiosity. So I'm so excited for today's episode. And how I know Hannah is because I'm a part of a women's group called Tit Talk here in Austin. It's an amazing name. And Hannah was speaking. You were really just facilitating, actually. Like you mm-hmm. came with just like your presence and like the knowledge and expertise and asked us certain questions that we just flowed with. Yeah. Yeah. And it was one of the most beautiful healing women's groups I've ever been a part of. (laughs) I swear that always happens when you put like a group of like-minded women together who are like ready to like be vulnerable and supportive, those two qualities specifically. Like the the energy is just so magical. It 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 really is. is. Yeah. I think that women's spaces specifically have such a potent power to heal us, especially around topics like sexuality and judgment and shame and grief and rage. There's all these things that most of us always carry alone and they're too big for one body. They're too big for one woman to hold and they're so universal. And so when we come together to talk about things like sex and things that are very intimate or close to our heart and we have the space to be heard in that, just being heard is enough. Totally. Totally. And my therapist gently reminded me yesterday that like the wounded feminine is still very present and that's not really like our full true selves, but Mm -hmm. like the competition and like the jealousy and all of that, Mm -hmm. that's how society has kind of like kind of brewed us to be, but that's not how we are at our core. So to have these like true feminine friendships, like female friendships that I've had since moving to Austin has been so beautiful it's also been like really tough for me in many ways Mm -hmm. but overall just so beautiful and like Mm -hmm. learning how to like trust like oh no we got each other right Mm -hmm. so anyway I want you to introduce yourself before we get into (laughs) it because we didn't introduce you so Hannah who are you I I've heard this as well I have a few friends who've said this about you so that's how I've heard it but the fairy godmother of sex and sensuality (laughs) but really just you're a sex educator and that's what you've decided to devote 
at least this portion of your life mm-hmm. to like really getting out there in that message. Mm-hmm. So you take it away. Explain to everyone who you are. Yeah. Thank you so much, Maddie. Yeah. I am so grateful that I get to call this my job, that I get to spend my days talking about orgasms and pleasure <laughs> and supporting women and men in having the most fulfilling, connective sex that they possibly could. Mm -hmm. And that's really what my current mission is. Like my broader purpose, I think, in this earth is just to be pure love and to support people in feeling total Mm self-acceptance. I think my gift is that I provide a really safe, loving space for people that just allows them to be who they are. And right now that is being expressed as um, a supporter and an educator in sex and sensuality. And it's just astounding to me always what comes up in the exploration of intimacy and sex is a lot of grief and rage and Mm -hmm. making space for really uncomfortable emotions. I think people often come in with the idea that it's all going to be like rainbows and butterflies and orgasms and vibrators (laughs) and it's going to be so fun. Um, And then, you know, once they come in, they realize actually that the reason why they can't experience the kind of pleasure they want to be having is because they don't have space in their bodies to hold all the range of emotions Mm -hmm. and that there are things that they feel insecure about or there's pain or wounding from their parents or from men mentors or from past lovers that exist inside their body that needs to be released that wants to be expressed and Mm -hmm. and so yeah I'm a holder of all the emotions and a lover of the human experience (laughs) I love that also before you tell us like exactly what got you into this work that you do I just have a little side note I want to mention before I forget but (laughs) so last year this is just like an a random but not so random story Braxton and I were in Mexico and we we're doing a Temescal ceremony. It was just us two and then our two shamans and our one shaman, well, one could not speak English at all and I can speak Spanish but Braxton can't. So it was like we chose, let's just speak English as much as we can during this so Braxton can get the full experience too. And our other shaman who's really leading it, he's speaking some broken English but he, during one of the rounds, but there are four rounds total. If you don't know what a Temescal is, just search it up. I don't even fully know how to explain it myself other than like saying it's like a human oven, which is like totally doing disservice to like what it is and just like a very sarcastic person. But anyway, on one of the rounds, it was releasing and our shaman like makes it very personal also to like if you're in a private session, that is like each round is very specific to what he or she feels like we really need. And so one of them was like releasing all of the sexual trauma that we have in us. So that's from societal norms that we've had since you know the beginning of our lives things with our parents any type of family member friend past partners all the things and anyway I just like that memory came up because also he was like if you're anything like me thinking about all your sexual partners will take you days and days (laughs) we're like in the middle of like this intense intense like that was I think the third or fourth round so we're sweating so much at that point I was about to pass out like I had no idea what I was getting myself into with that which I'm happy I didn't because I don't know if I would have actually done it if I did. And I just look at Braxton and I was like half like laughing, but also like just annoyed because <laughs> I was like not fully like surrendering quite yet at that moment. But we still laugh about it to this day. So funny. <laughs> oh my goodness. It was it was too funny. But um, anyway, it's very important and prevalent, you know, in a lot of our lives. And I'm still even like exploring and learning how that impacts 
that has been impacting me, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of times I come at things from such like a biochemical, like hard fact, kind of like, you Mm -hmm. know, not that it's not science, but I come at it from more of like a a physical almost, Mm -hmm. you know? And I'm learning, especially over like the last year to two years, we've always known, right, that like the mind and body, it's all in the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's one and the same. But I'm really trusting that like this has a lot more to do like my head for anyone not watching the video I'm I'm holding my head this has so much to do with like how I show up in the bedroom how I show Mm -hmm. up in like all areas of my life but especially the bedroom Mm -hmm. and I fully have like trust in that notion Mm -hmm. now like okay 110% when I'm stressed out I cannot get there right and especially like you know, with my brain, and I think like a lot of my girlfriends can relate to this of, you know, we'll be in the bedroom and it's like, I'm enjoying it one moment. And then the next moment I'm like, did I turn the oven off? And then like yes. back in it. And then I'm like, wait, did I send out that one email today? And like mm-hmm. all the things. Yeah. But anyway, how did you get into this <laughs> I space? have so much to say. I'm like bursting. Okay. Say I'll give you all. context. I'll, I'll give you context of my story. So Like a lot of the people that I work with, my first sexual experience was non-consensual. I was with my boyfriend, but he was a few years older than me, and I just felt really, really pressured to have sex. Mm. And then that relationship for three years was really abusive in just about every way that you could imagine. So that was my sexual debut. And then after that, my relationship to sex was I was totally dissociated, not in my body, using sex for validation or doing it to prove that someone liked me. And that was pretty much it for a really long time. And when I went to college, I started to develop an eating disorder and got really, really deep into the disordered eating space and exercise, anorexia, Mm -hmm. and depression. It was like I was so not in my body at all. It was like I was watching someone else live my life is how I can explain like the best way I can explain it because I was so fully dissociated all the time and really hurting myself and it got to a point where when I was 20 years old where I attempted suicide and that for me getting to that point where I really believed that death would be the a, a better alternative and easier than being alive when it didn't work I was like well I don't have the courage to actually do that again like I don't can't try that again. So I started going to therapy and luckily had an an incredible therapist who totally changed my life. And in that, I started to realize that, first of all, I'm going to add another thing, another layer to this. My father has bipolar disorder. And so seeing him from such a young age become so dependent on medication and pharmaceuticals and hospitalized and all of this Mm. stuff, I was so terrified that I would end up on drugs, on medication, hospitalized in a psych ward that like I refused to really share with my therapist the extent of my mental health issues because I was so afraid of that. Mm -hmm. And I feel actually really grateful that I had such an aversion to pharmaceuticals because it led me down this path of finding alternative ways to heal myself. And through therapy, first traditional talk therapy, and then somatic therapy, and then like just rabbit hole of psychedelics and alternative healing methods, I can really proudly say that I am now, it's 10 years, it's been 10 years since my suicide attempt, and every single year of my life has gotten better. 
since then. Yay! Yeah, it's really awesome. <laughs> I feel like so much like positive emotion, like happiness and love for you, right? Thank you. Thank you for also sharing that with our listeners. I hope you know like you're so not alone. Myself totally. and I think so many of my listeners can relate to at least one of the things that you've just mentioned. So mm-hmm. yeah, you're definitely not alone. Yeah. I mean, I feel so grateful that my little being signed up for 10 years of like really, really hard stuff from age like 12 to 20 was like really hard so that I could find healing. So I could like learn that it's actually possible for us to heal ourselves. 100%. And, and that's really what has inspired me to go down the path of coaching. And in my own journey, I only got so far until I kind of hit a wall. I was like, okay, I'm like happy, but I can just feel that there's something more here. And when the sexuality piece clicked and came online, it was like a whole new version of my being that finally became whole, like clicked on. And I was like, oh, now I have fucking arrived. Like I understand it now. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. So it's that spark, like that joy that I have found through my sexual development journey that gave me the impetus to want to take courses and certifications and learn how to apply that specific expertise and knowledge to my coaching practice. That's so flippin' beautiful. Yeah. So what did you do to get into your sexuality more? <sighs> the story is actually really convoluted because my path at first, I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have a coach. I didn't really have anyone that was helping me. It started because I was in a long-term relationship where at the very beginning, the sex was fun and exciting. And then after probably a month, it just kind of became routine and I started to avoid it. And it just became something that was a have to do. Mm-hmm. And a couple of years into our relationship, the man I was with suggested that we do a Tantra and BDSM workshop. And I was totally terrified. I was like, oh my God, I do not want to talk about sex. Like I'm so afraid of my sexuality because I have so much trauma in that space. I didn't know that was why I was so afraid of it, but I got triggered every single time he wanted to talk about it. We bought the workshop anyway, didn't attend. We broke up. And part of the breakup was because I fell in love with this man who was a dom a professional dom. What is that? So a dom is (laughs) a dominatrix or dominator. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I know. So in that, for anyone that's listening, um, there is a branch of kink called power play. And in power play, there is like in the acronym BDSM, the D and the S stands for dominance and submission. What does the whole acronym stand for? So B bondage, bondage. Okay, okay. Oh, okay. Bondage, discipline, dominance, and submission, sadism, masochism. So the okay. D and the S stand for two different things in gotcha. the middle. Gotcha. Okay. So um, in, the D, in part of the D and the S, the dominance and, and submission is a branch of kink where you play with basically one person being a leader sexually and the other person being the follower sexually. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times when people think about that, they imagine someone in a gimp mask in a dungeon being a slave. But there's a lot of in-between to that. And what happened when I started exploring that was it was the first time that I ever felt really safe in a sexual experience because in kink, 
in the way that those dominance and submission play sessions were set up, we had a bunch of conversation beforehand about my boundaries and about Mm -hmm. what I wanted. We had a safe word in place for when we played. I knew what he was going to do to me. And if I was a yes or no to that, I knew that I had the option to stop at any time. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I would be taken care of afterwards and that there would be a clear container. There would be a start and end. Mm -hmm. And that just having all of that safety around that sexual experience, I was like, oh, this is what it actually feels like to surrender and to feel in, in my body during yeah. a, during a well, sexual experience. Especially given your history with a non-consensual sex. Yeah. Having that like, oh, we're going to have like a legit conversation about this yes. beforehand and like set it all up. Yes. Is it like similar to, I don't want to, obviously you have had a different experience than what we see in the movie, but like a Fifty Shades of Grey, like that's the dominance <laughs> yeah so okay right? so I have a lot of gratitude for things like Fifty Shades of Grey for bringing kink more into the mainstream because I think some women saw that and were like oh my gosh I want that yeah like I want to be dominated in that way mm-hmm. and then there are a lot of problematic things about Fifty Shades of Grey because there are elements of that that feel very non-consensual yeah this is like my you know area of like passion expertise but like where he was like well you have to be on birth control and I remember looking at Braxton like are you you kidding me (laughs) you know I was like how dare he and he's like I love like that you know that's like the one takeaway that you've (laughs) taken from this movie it's like he forced her to be on birth control but yeah yeah continue with yeah and and I think like energetically there are some parts of 50 shades of gray that are aligned to some elements of kink but for the most part i think it's a relatively inaccurate portrayal of what kink really is okay and of the people that participate in kink mm-hmm. because there is such a range and such a variety of kinky experiences that are mm-hmm. available it's basically anything that's not vanilla sex yeah right and so that's I've, not considered normal exactly by like- exactly like hetero missionary doggy style <laughs> yeah. or blowjobs right. like. <laughs> yeah exactly I feel like almost to a certain extent like anything like female pleasure is like mm-hmm. also kinky you know because it's not yeah. really the norm yeah. especially in movies talking about like For movies sure. oh yeah that was the other thing that I didn't like about Fifty Shades of Grey and then we can hop off of Fifty Shades but <laughs> like I feel like she was never really pleasured either exactly. it was always just like alright stick it right in totally yeah yeah. I think my experience of kink and one that I encourage and invite other people to explore is one where it's so mutually gratifying for mm-hmm. both players or all players of multiple people are playing Mm -hmm. like making sure that everyone is happy and satisfied and getting the things that they want my experience of kink has always been actually that the pleasure is mostly focused on me yeah (laughs) so I like that me too (laughs) yeah (laughs) I'm learning that now it wasn't like that before but yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm So I feel like there's so many like different avenues that we could take with like literally just that so in conclusion going back to like so you experienced with kink first the BDSM, are you still experimenting with that? Or did you kind of leave that space? How did that evolve? Thank you for circling that back. So because I didn't have any guidance or mentorship in my sexual discovery, my first dom, that situation ended up really toxic. Okay. Because of a multitude of reasons most of them being that we were both of us were playing out some of our trauma in Mm. the kink space and 
regardless of how that turned out, I feel so grateful for that introduction because what he gave me permission to do was like, bring me whatever fantasy you have. Tell me anything that you want. And it is allowed. It's acceptable. It's celebrated. The filthier, the better, like whatever you want. It's Mm -hmm. okay here. Like he gave me that permission to really just let my freak flag fly. That's very beautiful and unique because even in like very healthy, committed relationships, I think it can be very difficult to number one, express like some of your fantasies and then also like receiving it, you know, Mm -hmm. the other person's I'm not going to digress. You get into it. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, you're good. This is a conversation. Yeah, I know. But talk. I'm like, keep going. I don't want either of us to forget. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that really kicked off my journey. And then once I separated from him, I kind of had this new perspective on what was possible and what was available. Mm-hmm. And I also then had the project of untangling my sexual liberation from him and that has just been a beautiful self-discovery journey like getting to feel really free and then work with continued therapy to integrate all parts of myself into my sexuality because at first it came out in this way that was like hypersexual and like oh my god I can have anything I want so I'm Mm -hmm. gonna like just get all these experiences and then like transitioned into, okay, now that I've had all these experiences, what do I actually want? What of these actually feels like authentic to me that I want to cultivate more of? Mm-hmm. And so now, yeah, my play is still very exploratory, but I have a partner. And so we mostly just play with each other, but we do go to play parties and, you Fun. know, yeah, I enjoy those kinds of open sex settings. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, fun. Mm -hmm. I love it. I do have questions from like my followers that they have for you, but I even just have a few questions. So now that you're in a partnership, Mm -hmm. because at first it's always, and I even asked you this, Mm -hmm. what anyone else said during Women's Club, but I have no problem talking about what I said. (laughs) You know, that first time, and I guess not all the time, but my first time having sex with Braxton was like, we stopped breathing. It was like fireworks. (laughs) I was like, (gasps) I was like, oh my gosh, it was almost like that, like, you know, on a very spiritual level, like, oh my gosh, I just found the person, right? Like, this is it. And we had been dating at that point for, I think, maybe like a month before we actually had sex. And not that there's anything wrong with having sex sooner. I just broke my wrist on our second date. So... (laughs) Makes sex a little bit challenging. It made sex challenging. And also then I I got in my head too of like, I'm not going to be able to be like my full, like, you know, (laughs) like hands up you know like whatever I want right like how are the positions gonna work if I have one arm so I was like (laughs) so scared hand jobs severely impaired (laughs) but so I was just like you know it was like half that but also half like oh my gosh like I it's just something so sacred for me and I was very nervous because I didn't want that to also ruin our relationship because before Braxton sex and play was it wasn't even play it was just very vanilla sex and it was not very fulfilling for me and you know on a more like biochemical level it it definitely was like hormone related and I was on hormonal contraceptive for a very long time. And so it just like slurped up for lack of better words, you know, Mm -hmm. any type of like drive that I had to play. Mm -hmm. And so I was worried. I was like, I really like, I love this human and I don't want that to ruin it. And then it was like, boom, fireworks. But it's hard to achieve that again with because mm-hmm. it's never going to be the first time again with that yeah. current partner which is totally fine but how do you like keep playing with each other because I think it can get so easy when 
you've been with someone for so long and you're just so comfortable and there's so much beauty in that, right? But also using that to your advantage because if you're so comfortable with someone, transmit that into the bedroom, you know? You're not worried about how they're going to judge you or like Mm -hmm. how you're going to look, which I know that's something that I'm still working on too. I think it's really hard. I also had anorexia when I was eighth grade throughout high school and there's just a lot of body shame, I think, like across the board, whether or not mm-hmm. you've been diagnosed before with an eating disorder of mm-hmm. like this feeling that like a woman need to be skinny in order to be like pleasurable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for men, a lot of cock shame. Mm-hmm. Like their cock has to look like a porn star yeah. to pleasure a woman. Totally. And even their bodies too yeah. of like I need to be like tall and strong and you know I I totally get that it comes Mm -hmm. from both sides for sure even though I feel like women usually express it more it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that it's not happening for men as well but anyway circling back so yeah just like how do you recommend that people who are listening right now like myself who've been in like a very safe committed partnership Mm -hmm. how do you make things like what are some just tips that you have for like (laughs) making it fireworks of course it's not going to be that first time fireworks because it's hundreds of times with the same person but it's like how do we still have fireworks you know so the thing that makes it so spicy at the beginning that makes those fireworks possible is that you're uncertain Mm -hmm. there's a lot of uncertainty there's a lot of danger that's present it's like you know what is going to happen how's my body going to react like is this going to be compatible this is risky could this ruin our relationship there is actual a little bit of danger present there's also some physical danger like this person could be a serial killer and could actually murder me yeah that's where Um, my head always goes to I watch (laughs) I watch way too many like crime shows and just like yeah just terrible things honestly (laughs) and it's new Mm -hmm. it's new and that is exciting to us it is arousing to us and so if we think about those things like uncertainty danger and newness and cultivate a container where we can have those things even a partner that we've been with for a really long time that's going to bring back some of that same excitement and arousal and curiosity Mm -hmm. into our bodies and so what I recommend for couples is I like to separate sex into two categories One is maintenance sex, which is like the kind of sex that you have on a regular basis a couple times a week where it's just know your routines, you know what you like, you do the same things so that each of you feels pleasured and satisfied and you can have intimacy and connection. And then a couple times a month, I recommend to have intentional space on the calendar, like a couple hours to try new things with like the goal is not orgasm. The goal is not climax. The goal is not to do everything right or to be a sexual rock star. Mm -hmm. The goal is literally to look at a list of potential things that we could possibly try sexually. What are some things that we haven't done together? And let's just try them. Um, And it's like just I like to call it sex exploration. So having those little sex exploration sessions on the calendar, I think is really, really important for a couple who wants their intimate life to be fireworks long term what you can do is like the things that work really well in that sex exploration session you can include them and incorporate them into the maintenance sessions and then constantly keep upgrading your life it's like having a little sex lab to experiment i love that yeah and you're like okay this didn't work let's leave that behind or like maybe we need to improve on it more i really appreciate that you mentioned and made it like a statement that it doesn't have to be we both orgasm Mm -hmm. and get to that point it's like let's just play and That's something that when I was getting into like understanding my sexuality more, understanding what sex is and 
actually really just unlearning things is like what I had to do <laughs> for so long at the beginning. Because I was so worried, like, is he satisfied, mm-hmm. you know? And this isn't even just Braxton. It's just been my whole sexual life. Yeah. Is he satisfied? Instead of asking, like, am I satisfied too? Mm-hmm. So then I had to learn, like, what even feels good to me, yeah. you know? And, like, I need to also just bring things back online mm-hmm. and have more connection head to Yoni in order to, like, even feel, like, to know what would feel good. Yes. So there is a lot that, like, you know, it's a journey, right? Absolutely. So it's a long journey that you're kind of on for your whole life in yeah. a way. It's, like, the same thing with, like, taking care of just your overall health. It's, mm-hmm. like, it's constantly evolving. Totally. Your environment's constantly changing. Mm-hmm. Your body's changing on a biochemical level and on also like an emotional level so everything has to change along with that but anyway yeah just to like give that freedom of you know and I've even had that conversation a few times with B of like I just want to play but like neither of us have to like reach that point you know and like I have so much more trust in him when he's like oh yeah totally you know Mm -hmm. so I also want to mention like because I know a lot of people could also be in unhealthy relationships and just like encouraging people and also being the light you know and like Mm -hmm. establishing and maybe not establishing like so like hard yes and no and black and white but like encouraging people with ideas of like what a healthy relationship is and like what Mm -hmm. a healthy like play is in the bedroom as well Mm -hmm. and I feel like like how do you navigate that because that's also probably a tough place for you as a sex educator of like you don't want to judge anyone for what they choose to do in the bedroom but like where's the line of like oh is something like a little bit too like risky or Mm. is someone do they think it's consensual but perhaps it's not but without Mm. judging people's fantasies or the way that they play yeah The only thing that I view as unhealthy or something to be looked into as a problem sexually is if there's physical pain. Mm. Are you experiencing physical pain either in your genitals or in your body somewhere that is non-consensual? Like some of us like pain a mm-hmm. little bit, right? Yeah. But, if, but like is this pain something that is alarming to Mm -hmm. you, in which case there's a problem. Gotcha. Other than that, I encourage people to explore things that feel edgy and that feel like they shouldn't do it. Like that's the most fun part about kink is because like there's this feeling of taboo, which is different for everyone. For some people, anal sex is super taboo. Mm -hmm. For some people, blowjobs are super taboo. For some people, it's way more extreme than that. And like what Ever that little thing is that makes someone go, ooh, maybe I shouldn't do that. Like, mm-hmm. that's a really fun energy to play in. Yeah. But I think as far as, like, what makes a dynamic unhealthy, like, especially in the kink space, like, things just to look for are, like, are you emotionally secure? Are you safe physically? Yeah. Is your heart being cared for? Do you feel like you trust this person? Does your body – or, like, on the flip side, like, is your body shutting down? Are mm-hmm. you noticing that you're dissociating often? Is there physical pain in your body when you're experiencing sex? Like that's a sign that your body is not ready and doesn't want this. And do you have a healthy, safe community around you? Yeah. I think a lot of what happens in unhealthy relationships is isolation, specifically in like codependency or in situations Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. narcissists or abusers. There's a lot of isolation that takes place. So um, just looking out for some of those things is Yes, it's important. And in the realm of fantasy, I think like everything's on the table. Yeah. 
Totally. And also, I just want to add to that list, like having a partner that is so receptive to mm. like how you interpret your play, right? Like yeah. listening to what you really like mm-hmm. and doing that more of that. For sure. Listening to what you are not enjoying at all. And they yes. also listen to that. I think the second part of that is more important than the first. Okay. Because Good to know. having a partner listen and be receptive to what you want is important and they may also not want to do the things that you want. Yeah. You know, I think like it's really normal in relationship for you to have a different level of desire than Mm -hmm. your partner, to want sex at a different level or frequency than your partner. Yeah. To want different types of sex than your partner. Mm -hmm. All of those are really great opportunities for collaboration and that you don't have to be the same. Yeah. It doesn't make you sexually incompatible. That was a question that someone had actually is like what if you have a partner that wants to have sex way more frequently than you do? What are your tips for that? Mm-hmm. It happens all the time. <laughs> You're smiling so big. You're like, I, yeah, I hear this probably 50 times a day. I think this is one of the biggest issues that causes friction and disruption in sexual relationships. It's why sex is one of the top five reasons why people get divorced mm. is typically because there is one partner that wants sex more than the other. Mm-hmm. What gets to happen in that space is usually the reason why it's such a point of conflict is because the person that wants it more feels like a burden. They feel like they're annoying and they're asking too much and they're bothering their partner and that their sexual urges are burdensome and that they're too much. And then the other person feels guilty. And then also that person feels rejected Mm -hmm. when the person says, no, I don't want to have sex with you six times a day. Yeah. Right. So then the other person, the one who doesn't want sex as much, often feels pressured. They feel like all they're good for is their body or their partner doesn't value all the rest of them. Mm -hmm. They feel isolated and misunderstood. Both of them feel isolated and misunderstood. The person who's receiving the pressure feels like maybe they're not enough Mm -hmm. for their partner. And it leads to resentment on both sides. The Gottmans, which are a Mm -hmm. relationship research institute, say that 70% of conflict is unresolvable. And I think that this desire discrepancy is also a conflict that is not resolvable in relationship. But what gets to happen if both people can put aside or share, put aside momentarily what it is that they're feeling and understand that their partner is feeling the exact same thing on the other side, just reversed Mm -hmm. to them and see like, oh, we are actually two sides of the same coin. How can I hear you? How can I understand you? And seek to find a way to collaborate in those differences. Then both people can ultimately get the type of intimacy that they want. Mm -hmm. Usually the person that like doesn't want sex just really doesn't want it in the way that that person is suggesting it to them. Like they may want sex a lot but actually the kind of sex that they want is maybe a little slower Mm -hmm. or maybe it's a little softer or maybe they need more foreplay or maybe they need space to have desire Mm. right I think there's always a way to find a solution of the type of sex that actually both partners want to have like that can't come from nagging on both sides it can't come from both sides being resentful and angry at the other person for just being who they are so the first step that has to happen there is coming to a place of mutual understanding and compassion for the yeah. other person. I love the Gottman Institute as well. We read the Eight Dates you did. book. Yeah, like at the beginning I'm of our relationship. I'm doing that Where are you at right We're now? We're doing date number six this weekend. I love the that. Oh, one. on your staycation. <laughs> yeah. You'll be doing it. Perfect. Yeah, we did that at the beginning. Braxton actually approached me with it and was like, let's do this. And Bee's just done like a lot of cute things I want to really just – 
shower him with like some gratitude and appreciation but we've also done like relationship journals before and it's really helped us to just like sit down even like our weekly check-ins on Sundays it takes you know at the very minimum 10-15 minutes and sometimes it gets longer depending on what we're bringing up but you know just to have that like kind of sync up of like what's going well right now for us and like what's not what could we improve on? How could we support one another? Because at the end of the day, all of us, we're all such unique individuals. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think some people may hear that like stat of like, you know, 70% of conflict is unresolvable as like, oh my gosh, that's like scary, you Mm -hmm. know, but it's understandable, right? Like we're all different humans. We, Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you have to hate the other person or you're never going to get along. It's just like, just kind of come to, you know, a mutual place where like you're both comfortable, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm forgetting their names. All I know about them is that there are two psychiatrists that specialize in sex and marriage. And they were married before, got divorced, and now they're together. And they wrote a book about, I think it's called Sex Every Day. Mm -hmm. And at first when I heard of it, it was recommended to me to read and I was like oh here's another one of these books talking about having like that type of sex every day and I'm like I know like I just don't even want that every day especially coming from like a menstrual cycle standpoint where it's like it's I've noticed the changes throughout my cycle along with my basal body temperature and cervical mucus and all the things like there are times in my cycle especially when I'm ovulating not only do I want to have sex I want to do all the things Mm -hmm. I like want you know like that's when really all of my kinks really come out and I also want to have a baby every single time you know I'm like literally let's just do it like we can do it like logistically planning it out I'm like they could sleep here you know like I think we have a good enough community and family and then outside of that time it's not that I don't want to have sex it's just it looks so different right Mm -hmm. and so also having like love and appreciation understanding of that too of like you're not always going to show up the same every single time Mm -hmm. every single day to sex and anyway their book ended up being about creating a menu so to say of like appetizers mains and then desserts and you have to co-create it together though so you both add stuff unless there's absolutely something where you're like i do not want that being done to my body of Mm -hmm. course that doesn't make the list at all but co-create it together and considering it all sex and You know, I'm sure this method doesn't work for some couples, but it really worked for us Mm -hmm. of like all of these things are pleasurable to us. Mm -hmm. And so now, and we did that like over a year ago, we created it and we've added to it and we've removed some stuff, but it's like we approach each other almost like little kids being like, do you want to play, you Mm -hmm. know, or like, do you want to choose something from the menu? Mm Mm-hmm. Even like last night, like we both had very long and hectic days. They weren't stressful, but like just a lot was going on. And he just like approaches me with this little kid energy of like, do you want your yoni licked? (laughs) 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 Or do you like, do you want to play? And I'm just like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I think that's like a great like idea too that like resonates with anyone listening of like just creating a menu where it's not just like oh sex and play is only penetration Mm -hmm. yes with like a little bit of foreplay beforehand Mm -hmm. it's like it can be so many things yeah and like person and couple dependent oh my god yes i'm like so part of like a little submission of mine is to like get it out of our heads that sex is penis plus vagina equal orgasm Mm -hmm. and that the structure of that looks like making out oral penetration male ejaculation and it's done like it's just so fucking outdated and so not 
focused on what variety and what richness is available in Mm -hmm. sexuality and taking into account all of the different body parts that are available to receive pleasure and all the different sexual orientations and genders that are available to play and roles that we can play into as sexual creatures. Like there just is such an expanded view of sex that I've pleasure of receiving and cultivating and I want to gift that to everyone Mm -hmm. like and everyone gets to define what sex means for them and I like to just offer my definition of sex as any pleasurable joy-filled activity that brings me closer to myself Mm. yeah and in that like I could have sex by walking on the grass Mm -hmm. with my bare feet yeah (laughs) I could be making love to the earth Right. I could have sex by like standing on the beach and letting the wind blow in my hair (sighs) Mm -hmm. or letting the waves like tickle my toes. Right. Like how much more pleasurable could life be if I could have sex with my coffee every day? (laughs) It's just, it's pleasure at the core. Mm -hmm. And for anyone who's like a little skeptical of that, because I know I was at first of like, it was hard for me to come around to that idea of like Mm -hmm. sex is so much more than just like the penetration. And how I like, eventually came around to it aside from just like living it myself is like it just makes sense that like you can define it as so much broader than that because it is just at its core pleasure mm-hmm. and someone at some point <laughs> defined that you know just decided like oh sex is going to be that right it's going yeah. to be intercourse we're going to create this crappy you know thing <laughs> called sex education which is terrible <laughs> like we're just really going to enforce this right yeah but like that's all it was is someone or maybe it was a group of people just decided, you know, Mm -hmm. like that is what we're going to define as sex. And, you know, so now we just have to change the narrative for ourselves and Mm -hmm. just be like, it's the same thing with like birth control or whatever it is. It's like, you know, that's not like the only way that you can prevent pregnancy. Like I know that that's been the narrative, but Mm -hmm. like, again, we are the CEOs of our own lives and Mm -hmm. bodies and everything and sexuality and play just define what feels right for you because we are only on this earth for so long and it's a blink of an eye (laughs) really and like what a shame it would be to you know approach the end of your life and be like dang I didn't even like give myself pleasure Mm -hmm. you know yeah so yeah and like I've realized too that everything that you said like oh my gosh standing on the beach I was like yes I can like feel like the wind (laughs) like blowing through my hair and brushing my neck but like I love and I learned about energetic orgasms through like a goop lab special that they Mm -hmm. did on yeah did you watch that Mm -hmm. so just picture like me by myself I was still like living alone at the time and I was like (laughs) learning all this stuff I was like oh like things are about to get intense (laughs) like he better get prepared but that I love like just very gentle like stroking like all my Mm -hmm. limbs start to drain like I just get like the tingly sensation and sometimes that's like literally all I need and like I'm so happy and content and I've also reaped all of the more physical benefits too because like proper pleasure and play is so great for our physical health as well. It's so good for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that kind of has helped me to think about it on that level of like just do what is pleasurable and what like ultimately will be for the greater good of like my own health and well-being. Mm -hmm. So if that is just kind of vanilla like 
play and sex, then like that's okay for that day. But mm-hmm. if it's like going doing something a little bit more risky and mm-hmm. trying something new or even if it's just like being by myself out like on the creek. Yeah. Like just doing something. Pleasure pee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that points to a huge reason why people don't invest in their sexual health and why people don't necessarily spend time working on their sexual the sexual aspect of their relationships is because Pleasure seems like it's something that's frivolous. Mm -hmm. Like our specifically Western society is set up in such a way that uh, productivity is highly valued. Intellect is highly valued. This very masculine doing approach to life is the one that is the most rewarded in our culture. And that discourages a lot of people from exploring the depths of pleasure available in their body and the depths of sensation and presence available in their body and how many beautiful healing resources are is are available in our body because we are just so up in our heads and so focused on how many outputs can I make and how much money can I make in this year. Mm-hmm. And like there's a reason why so many rich and famous people are so unhappy like, there's a reason why people are working themselves to death in cubicles and then committing suicide. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a reason why, like, our culture is so angsty and depression and anxiety is at an all-time high. It's because we have lost touch with our nature. And our nature is presence and pleasure and joy and play. Yeah. And also, yes, struggle and creation and producing beautiful things in the world, but if that production comes at the cost of our aliveness, like what is, what is it worth? Yeah. You know? So I would argue nothing. I would argue nothing. And also like you don't need to work that way in order. Everyone has their own definitions of success, but even if we're just talking about like the mainstream idea of success, which Mm is money and a, a big house and multiple houses, like all the things, right? You can actually, I would argue, achieve that easier if you're happy and healthy. 100%. Like if you're excited to wake up every single day and you have that like, and some days, you know, you may be a little bit groggy. Like, of course, like life isn't this like constant, you know, upstream. But like generally speaking, if you're healthy, if you're not like fatigue, if you're not unhappy on all these things, you're going to show up so much better to work whatever your work is, you know, whether you're doing your own thing, you're working for someone else, you know, Mm -hmm. for a greater cause, like you're going to show up better there. You're going to show up better with your family, with your friends, with your partner, with your pets, like all the things. Mm -hmm. It's just going to be so much more elevated than, you know, I feel like it's like you can achieve anything at that point. There's several studies that show that people that have a healthy, happy sex life are better at work. (gasps) They're more satisfied with their careers and they're better at their jobs. That's really awesome. We'll have mm-hmm. to link that one up too because I want to yes. look into that. And I believe it for sure. I yeah. mean, it adds like good, healthy sex and play adds so much like energy and mm-hmm. like creativity too. Like when you asked us, you're like, what does sex mean to you? I was like, it's creation for me mm-hmm. beyond like, you know, baby making because that's mm-hmm. creation. Yes. And like creating a human out of it. Like if I'm not diverting my energy to that, when we're playing, which I'm not right now, for me personally, I'm like manifesting during mm-hmm. that. You know, I'm like, what do I want to like <laughs> be or encompass or like manifest 
And like I think about that like right in the moments where I'm about to climax. (laughs) (laughs) That is called sex magic. (laughs) And thank you, Maddie, for the definition of sex magic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, everyone's welcome. You're welcome. I like started really like encompassing that a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And I'm just saying, throwing that out here, but everything that I had on my like dream board Mm -hmm. that I created last December for 2022 has been achieved. I think it is. You heard it here, folks. (laughs) You'd have sex magically and you get anything you want. (laughs) I will, you know, contribute that to some other things in my life, but I definitely like feel the power and everything's like a web, you know, spider web connected, but like I do have very healthy, happy sex now, Mm -hmm. you know? And I've had to work on that a lot outside of the bedroom too, just on my own and like also just having play with myself, even though I'm in a relationship, which also like I want to shut down that like taboo Mm -hmm. of like, if you're in a relationship, you have to save that with your partner. Yeah. Like, what do you think about that? Because in our partnership, it's been totally like, not just okay, but great and healthy. Totally. Yeah. I get this question a lot, specifically from women whose partners are watching porn Mm. a lot and feeling like they're being cheated on or that if their partner's masturbating without them, it's like dishonorable to their relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think there's some things in there that I want to touch on and just in self-pleasure and like I'm going to come back to the female part of it. But Mm -hmm. if you notice that this is a trend that's happening in a relationship where your partner is watching porn and you don't like it, you want it to stop, but they keep doing it, likely part of the reason why that's happening is because of the shame around it. There is a tendency for us as humans to be attracted to the things that we're not allowed to have. And so the more that you shame your partner about watching porn, the more likely actually they are to do it, which is going to give you the opposite result of what you want. So instead of approaching that from a shameful place or trying to get them to stop or nagging them about it, I would like invite you to get really curious and talk to your partner about why they are watching porn. What is it that they're getting from the porn? Is it really an outlet and a release or is it a way to escape? Are they really in their body? Do they feel good about themselves while they're doing that? Could you encourage them to self-pleasure in a way that would be more fulfilling to them? Could Mm -hmm. you have them masturbate next to you? Um, Could you do a little strip tease for them and then they masturbate? Like there's ways to incorporate that into your relationship in a way that's healthier or to encourage them to self-pleasure on their own in a way that is them loving their body instead of escaping their body because I think that is a lot of what porn provides is an escape. And so – That is in relationship on both sides. That's really what I encourage in a self-pleasure practice of having it be an opportunity to connect with yourself separate of your partner because you don't want your partner to become your orgasm dealer. Mm -hmm. Like to become reliant on anyone for your pleasure is a dangerous game to play. For your pleasure, for your happiness, for your fulfillment, anytime you place that outside of yourself, you're setting yourself up for disappointment because nothing outside of you can ever be as reliable or predictable or safe as your relationship to yourself. Ooh, yeah. So this this applies to pleasure too. Mm -hmm. And when you know that you can give yourself pleasure, that you can anytime you want touch yourself in a way that feels good to you, whether that is sexual or sensual or just nurturing touch, and you become self-sourced in your pleasure and know what your body wants and likes in any given moment, you can come to a partner with overflowing 
pleasure and share that with them and teach them how you like your body touched, which is really fun and really exciting. And very useful. (laughs) And if both of you are, this is basically how you heal codependency Mm -hmm. in relationship Mm -hmm. as well, is to become two fully independent, sovereign, self-sourced beings and then come together to share the overflow of love that you have inside mm-hmm. of you and to make each other's lives a little easier yeah. in the processing of emotions. It's a delicate dance. It's a know? delicate dance. It's like nothing in life is so black and white and certain, you know? Yeah. There's always like nuances to it. And so I think, yeah, just like finding what works for the partnership and also for yourself. But yeah, and more so like when I I acknowledge that porn is definitely like a very like prevalent topic for sure. But I was more so even just talking about like just playing with yourself, you know, like having like your own fantasies in your head and like masturbating to that or even if you're not masturbating, just like playing, you know. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a balance of doing it on your own so you're not codependent on your partner of like, oh, I can't like play and I can't, you know, Mm -hmm. orgasm until they get home. Versus, you know, like, oh, no, I know I can do it, but I also have a lot of fun doing it with them. So I'm going to, like, figure out on my own, like, ooh, like, also usually we're the safest with our own selves. So it's like, let's just see, like, I kind of have this idea, but let's see if I actually like it. (laughs) And then I'm going to go up to them and be like, hey, let's try this, you know? And then, like, I would say that if you have a really, like, a healthy partner, they'll be like, okay, like, as long as there's no, like, major boundaries crossed, they're like, let's try it, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, you're so excited about this. I'm comfortable with it. Let's do it. Mm Mm-hmm. But also, like, going back to what you said, like, masturbating next to each other mm-hmm. is so fun. <laughs> so I just wanted to, like, say, I like, love, yes, I'm so pro that because it's so it. fun. And then it's also, like, it builds up, like, that tension that, oh, like, yeah. kind of sparks and fireworks because you're, like, you're creating this, like, fake but boundary of, like, you can't do this. Yes. I, like, you're going to do yourself. I'm going to do it myself. Like, yes. that tension builds yes. up. So, yeah, just some, like, ideas for anyone listening. Totally. <laughs> I think that playing with tension and anticipation is one of my favorite things. And I think it's something that's really underutilized, mm-hmm. especially for couples who have been together longer because they're like, oh, I have full access to you anytime. Mm. Like, I can just yeah. do anything I want anytime. And the more boundaries that you create, actually, the more opportunity for creativity and tension is created. Mm-hmm. So you can set rules like, you're not allowed to touch me for the next 30 minutes, but you can watch me touch myself. Mm-hmm. Or um, you can send sexy pictures during the day, but you don't, like, show everything. You maybe, like, put a little sensor mm-hmm. over, like, some of your sensitive areas like there are and also like just even longer periods of time you could even say like you know we are not having sex for this entire week Mm -hmm. like we're going to take it off the table this is actually especially works well for couples who are feeling a lot of pressure to have sex Mm -hmm. who are in a space where they're like in a lot of conflict around sex is to just take it off the table for a week or two at at a time And usually the person that is feeling the pressure to have sex is going to have that pressure relieved. And in the space of that, their desire is going to come back on, which is really fun and exciting. Like our human cycle, our brain is so crazy around sex. Oh my gosh, so crazy. And just like in general, it's like so crazy and complex. But also like having the established, like, because I think sometimes it can get anxiety provoking if it's like, if it hasn't been discussed of like when like how long it's been since you've had sex Mm -hmm. or like when you're next going to have it. It's almost like having that like set, like we're not going to do it this week does take a lot of pressure off. Because then otherwise you're kind of walking around of like, 
crap, when is the last time we had sex, you mm-hmm. know? like, And then that that pressure kicks in yes. of, oh my gosh, I, we need to have sex because mm-hmm. I need to keep my partner happy. And mm-hmm. again, that's when you start to, I think, probably build resentment towards yes. sex yes. and perhaps even your partner. So just having that like, you know, like we're going to take a week off. I love that idea. Mm-hmm. But like intentionally setting yes. that, you know, not yes. just like in your own head being like, okay, I'm not going to do it for a week. Like yes. talking with your partner and saying like, let's not do it for yes. the next five to seven days and then we'll. Totally. I mean, I think the biggest sex hack that exists for anyone is just having open and honest communication about mm-hmm. sex. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Surely, like, yeah. Like better than any oh toy, better than any fun kinky thing that you can do in the bedroom just actually talking about sex yeah is a fucking game changer oh my god and like you can just start with like having some time set aside to ask a few questions like what was your favorite time that you've ever had sex with me and why Mm -hmm. or like what turns me on about you Mm -hmm. and what turns you on about me or like what's something that you've always wanted to try that you've never done before and just opening that conversation sparks so many ideas and creates this pathway of openness between couples that can really really support having better and better sex I also highly recommend doing sex reviews but not um right after you have sex so but if you like if you're having a sex session like the next day if y'all are like going to the grocery store or you're making breakfast together like do a sex review at a time when you're doing like a mundane kind of boring task and just like intersperse sexuality more regularly that. into your life and I just love talk that. about it yeah, yeah. I feel like at, right after sex would be way too like It's not the time. Touchy. Right yeah. after sex <laughs> is the time for aftercare and cuddles oh, and sweetness yeah. uh-huh. and grounding. Yes. Yeah. I'm happy that you said that too. I used to jump up right after sex and mm-hmm. like, all right, I'm going to get back to my work. And it's and then I would always like, you know, look at my partner and he's like so relaxed and laying in bed. I'm like, like I should maybe tap into that too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think yeah. it's just a missed opportunity for connection <clears throat> mm-hmm. to get up right after sex. Yeah. Like that space right after climax or after a sexual engagement is done, it's a really vulnerable space. Yeah. Your nervous system is a little dysregulated. Um, you are coming down from this hormonal high. This mm-hmm. All of these chemicals are bumping around in your brain. It's a really potent opportunity to be in intimacy and connection and to co-regulate with your partner Mm -hmm. to ground your nervous system together so that you can have an easier transition back into regular life a lot of people deal with um and i used to deal with this a lot where i would have a lot of guilt or shame or depression or feeling empty after sex Mm -hmm. and it was really genuinely because i just wasn't getting aftercare Mm -hmm. i just didn't feel loved after I just had this really intimate, vulnerable experience with someone. Yeah. So I highly recommend everyone just start doing a lot of aftercare. Totally. Well, it's almost like it's the equivalent to Shavasana and yoga. Yeah. It's like you've just done all of this powerful work. Like also like very similar because like twisting and yeah. upside down and <laughs> turns and you know. And maybe your things. leg was over your yeah. head. and. <laughs> fast and slow like you're just like a pretzel and then like (laughs) (laughs) and your probably ass was in the air oh my gosh um (laughs) that was too good I like that was an amazing analogy (laughs) now I'm gonna think of that every time I'm in yoga but the shavasana it's like the after sex like integrate it yeah you know reap all those benefits Mm mm-hmm 
personal, but also like with your partner. Yeah. Um, I wanted to, I feel like this is a great way to bring us into, um, the eight elements of life-changing epic sex that I saw on your Instagram. <laughs> if you feel like called to share that with us. Oh my and gosh. then also like leading into like where everyone can also just find you if they want to. Well, I highly recommend that everyone just like binges all of your yeah. content that you have and ask like a question in your weekly Q&A. But to also potentially work with you one-on-one. So what are you, yeah. So the eight elements of mind-blowing sex and intimacy. So the first one I think is one of the most important ones and that is presence. And what that means is it's not just like putting your phone away or turning your notifications off or shutting your dog out of the room. (laughs) Um, I said that because Colby is like trying to get attention right now. (laughs) But it's also feeling totally in your body and like you were mentioning before you know there's often this kind of voice in your head that pulls you away it's like anytime you notice that you're getting distracted coming back into your body and being present with what's going on with your partner and the best way to cultivate this is to just start noticing sensations um to when you find yourself getting distracted notice where do I feel friction where do I feel tension where do I feel butterflies like where do I feel tingling Mm -hmm. like what is actually going on in my body and to cultivate this with a partner you can just eye gaze you can sync your breath up with your partner it's really there are very simple ways to cultivate more presence um, and it requires you to just notice when you're not present and to come back to your body the second one is being in sync which is usually I think cultivated outside of the bedroom and then it translates into the bedroom. So being in sync with your partner looks like feeling aligned in particular to the intention of the type of sex that you want to be having in that session. So one really easy way to start to be more in sync with your partner is before you have sex with them, just ask them, why do you want to fuck me? Mm -hmm. Why do you want to do this with me right now? Like, and then having, again, like some moments to drop in in connection before you actually start doing sexual activities with some eye gazing or some breathing. And then again, like notice if you're not in sync and just like call that out. I think that's something that we kind of glaze over a lot of times is like you can feel when you're not quite in sync with your partner in a session when you're like, okay, we're like, you're trying to do one thing. I'm trying to do another thing. We're like not lining up here. And instead of just gritting your teeth and bearing through it, actually being like, hey, can we pause for a second? I feel like we're not totally aligned here. And it's okay to also want it at first and then not want it like halfway through and just be like, you know, in a polite way like I'm actually I'm over it now. consent yeah. is revocable oh totally 100% mm-hmm. at any time at any time um, the third one is empathy so empathy is feeling what your partner is feeling being in tune with what's going on in your partner's body and if you struggle with this at first you can just ask them what are you feeling right now what's going on in your body what emotions are present for you and as you start to learn the language of your partner's body you'll notice when their eye pattern changes or when their breathing pattern changes and you can call that out you can say oh I hey can you pause I noticed that you feel a little distracted right now like can we again come back into connection yeah especially with guys and I feel like they always say I'm good 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what does that mean though? Yeah. That's not an emotion. Yeah. yeah. I think the how are you how are you feeling is not as good of a question as what are you noticing in your body right now? Like the what are you noticing in your body right now? No one's going to say I'm noticing good mm-hmm. in my body right now. Mm-hmm. They that kind of question will prompt them to say, well, think a little more. I'm noticing mm-hmm some tightness in my chest. I'm noticing some openness in my belly. I'm noticing the feeling of loneliness inside of me. You know, that noticing is a little bit easier than trying to discern exactly what it is that you feel. And also the more in tune you get with yourself, um, the easier it is to be in tune with your partner. So when you're noticing those things about about yourself, the more you get in tune with your own language of your body, the easier it will be to communicate that with a partner and to discover that in them too. The fourth one is emotional intimacy. So usually um, emotional intimacy is a higher requirement for women in sexuality than it is for men. It's actually really interesting. Like if you look across the board at who has the most sex um, gay men couples have the most sex in any like set up a relationship because they have the least prerequisites for sex. Gay women couples have the least amount of sex because they have the most prerequisites for sex. Makes sense. And <laughs> heterosexual <laughs> couples have somewhere in the middle. In between. Um, and what's also really interesting is that wow. both men and women say yes to sex at the same rate, even though women typically want sex less. Less. So that's really, it's just an interesting fact to be aware of. Yeah. And also one of those prerequisites that's often there for women is having emotional intimacy. And so a way to cultivate that with your partner is to have deeper conversations outside of sex, Mm -hmm. um, to do things that cultivate emotional intimacy, like having deep conversations, talking about your values, going on dates where you're not on your phone and you just are learning about each other like those are spaces where you can cultivate deeper emotional intimacy sharing about your emotions Mm -hmm. having conversations about what you're feeling talking about difficult things or working through conflict those are all things that actually create a lot of emotional intimacy that translates to better sex Mm. too uh the fifth one is authenticity so extraordinary sex the most extraordinary sex happens when people come together as 100% authentically themselves without fear of judgment or shame and just being able to say I want this crazy thing and you may not want that and that's okay but I just like this is just me and like this is who I am and then expressing themselves sexually in a way that feels authentic to them and this Really, I think what you mentioned before about the unlearning is the most important component to building authenticity because we may think that we're being authentic until we examine our sexual shoulds. Like, how do I think I'm supposed to be in sex? Mm -hmm. What kind of scripts or narratives are running about what I think sex is supposed to be like that I've just taken on as normal or how I'm supposed to be? And just taking those out and examining them. Including the frequency one too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Letting those things go. 
and and or deciding that some of those things are actually part of your authentic being and choosing those, but yeah. having the space to discern what is true for me and what is not and feeling that in your body, like trusting your body to tell you what's a yes and no. I'd love for you to make a physical like sex journal. <laughs> and what would you Maddie tell me what you would like me to have in this in this sex journal well like at the very beginning it should be like something along those lines of what are your current beliefs mm. on like everything that has to do with sex yeah how does it look where mm-hmm. is it how often is it is it in the morning is it at night like all of the things mm-hmm. and then like it's almost like another column is like how do you really feel about it and just like prompts mm, yeah. I didn't know you're the expert in yeah. this you'd have to like <laughs> take that but oh uh, to like the power well first of all the power of journaling like yeah. every single day I stopped for like the last two months because I you know made up a bunch of excuses for like well we're moving and we're doing all this mm-hmm. stuff and I don't even know where my journal is right now and just started again and it's just so powerful so to mm-hmm. have something that's very like sexuality and play focused cool. would be unique. Okay. Just put in some okay. boxes. I, I, like the, I like the idea of that. I mean, what comes to mind when you say that is I'm like, yeah, I do this in like every single one of my programs. Mm, yeah. You're like, <laughs> like, I already do this. Like, <laughs> like in all of my courses, like there are questions and prompts that are like this in every single module. Mm-hmm. But I actually really love the idea of making something that's super accessible and is just like, hey, you can buy this $20, $30 journal mm-hmm. and actually discover a lot about yourself just through that inquiry yeah yeah cool cool thanks for the business idea (laughs) (laughs) I think we only have a couple more the next one yeah we have two more the seventh component is play which we've been talking about a lot in here and I think it's such an element that is so missing from most of the way that we think sex should be like most of the sexual scripts that we have that we get from media are like it's supposed to be serious it's supposed to be passionate Mm -hmm. it's supposed to look like the woman is just moaning crazily the entire time and the guy's like oh fuck (laughs) like the whole time and then we play out these roles that are not really authentic Mm -hmm. to sexuality and when you incorporate curiosity and play and fun there is a return to the innocence of sexuality where I like to imagine that like at the very beginning of our sexual awakening when we're just having our hormones come online and we're discovering our bodies, like there's such an innocence to it. Nobody tells us that it's wrong to touch ourselves. Mm -hmm. Nobody tells us that pleasure or good feeling that we get from touching different parts of our bodies is a bad thing. We're just in this like, ooh, what does this button do? Ooh, what happens if I stick my finger in my ear? Ooh, what (laughs) happens if I stick it in this other hole? Like, you know, there's just like such a fun innocence to yeah, it totally. and I think that is an essential component of reversing shame around sexuality is having a return to this really innocent playful attitude yeah. around sex yeah because I mean we all start off with that innocence in in all regards of our life you know mm-hmm. all it takes is for one adult to say don't touch yourself there yeah or, that's bad or many adults in a church to or say that many adults, <laughs> yes if you went, yeah like, yeah. yeah, even like the, you know, private school that I went to, K through 8th, it's like girls have to wear their hair up because it's a distraction uh-huh. to the guys and, you know, whatever. There are a lot of things. But yeah, I, I think like adulthood for me has been a process of just unlearning mm-hmm. and actually coming back to the innocence mm-hmm. of like pure childhood. Yeah. 
Oh, what a beautiful process. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard as heck, but it's, it's so fun. <laughs> it is. It is challenging. Uh-huh. It definitely comes with pain because you're releasing identities and attachments and mm-hmm. ideas of who you thought you were supposed to be. And that's a grieving process yeah. that comes with that. Mm-hmm. And that kind of ties into the last one, which is healing. Like really powerful, epic sex is also a modality for healing. Mm -hmm. It's a way that we can surrender into deep trust with someone. It's a way that we can transmute shame and trauma in our bodies. It's a way for us to find release and to cultivate oneness when we feel separate and alone and isolated and learn that our bodies are sacred and special and beautiful and spiritual and epic centers of pleasure. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I really believe that all of life can get better through sexual liberation. It's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing those. You're so welcome. I want to mention too, I feel like if I didn't say something on this, but you know, for anyone listening, I I know I have a lot of listeners who struggle with gut dysbiosis and gut health and hormones and all that shebang. And, you know, I just don't want anyone to feel discouraged at the same time. Like a lot of this does come with also being very healthy in yourself. And, and more often than not, that is usually like the first step for mm-hmm. people. And sometimes they, they can actually happen at the same time, right? Yes. Like if someone doesn't feel too overwhelmed by taking mm-hmm. on that much healing at once. You know, I know for me, I, I had to do it more so in steps a little bit because mm-hmm. I was like, tend to be a more anxious person. Let's address some of like the underlying root causes. And as I grow throughout my healing journey, because it's always going, always happening, then I like started to get in, you know, almost like this headspace of like how can I optimize more Mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah because a lot of that too can it can totally be like it has nothing to do with like your partner or your relationship Mm -hmm. or anything like that it's just like you have some things that your body's like hey help me first you know Mm -hmm. like balance me out and and then like you know the exploration is is limitless so I mean I think that those two things are really mutually circularly beneficial Mm -hmm. I think that where I start a lot of my clients is not like, okay, you're going to start with kink or Mm -hmm. like start having these crazy explorations where I start is like, are you connected to the earth? Yeah. Like, can you feel safe touch in your body? Do you actually know what it feels like to have a grounded nervous system and feel safe in your body? And learning those things, having the capacity to actually feel safe and feel present in your body is so mutually beneficial to actually healing your gut and healing your hormones. Like those things in tandem are important. Totally. And circularly beneficial. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Yay! (laughs) What a beautiful, like, just very informational. Very wide-ranging conversation. But it was perfect. It was exactly how it's supposed to be. Mm. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. You're so welcome. I loved it. This is, like, the time to also just let people know how they can contact you. I'm sure Mm -hmm. so many people are listening to this of, like, okay, this is, like, the the gateway Mm -hmm. conversation, I think, for a lot of people. So, Yeah. Yeah. 
Where cool. can they find you? Um, I hang out mostly on Instagram and TikTok. My Same. Instagram is... I need to follow you on TikTok. Oh, yeah, my TikTok is lit. <laughs> I feel like TikTok, like, even like mine, I'm like a little bit more raunchy on oh, there. Yeah. I feel like I'm like, I don't know why, but... <laughs> it's so much more... Oh, yeah. I'm so excited. I'm going to go follow you right after yeah, this. Yeah, it's fun. I love TikTok. Um, so my <laughs> Instagram is at Hannah Dindorfer. My TikTok is at I am Hannah the Red. And on both of those, you can find freebies that'll get you onto my email list. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are like sex menus, Mm -hmm. similar to like what you were describing Mm -hmm. earlier. And one thing, can I promote a thing? Yeah. Um, One thing, a project that I'm really excited about coming up is my most affordable option for support that I've ever created. It's Uh called the community, spelled with a (laughs) C-U-M. Love it. (laughs) And it's a membership that will be launching in January. It's like less than $100 a month. You'll get access to two coaching calls with me per month. Oh my gosh. Community messaging platform, all of my education. It's going to be so epic. That's amazing. I'm really excited about it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Well, we'll link up how about this? In the show notes, also on our website, article of this conversation, we'll have your website linked up. Perfect. Instagram, TikTok, all the things. Amazing. Because that sounds incredible. Mm-hmm. Heck, excited. some of you may even see me in there. We can all be together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come uh, in the community. Yes. Uh, well, thank you, Hannah. And thank you to everyone who tuned in to today's episode as well. Mm. And um, yeah, we're always here for you. I think like what I kind of what I gather from this and also like what I anticipated is that sex and sexuality, it there's not just one definition for it, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. I think a lot of people's questions were almost seeking like a, like a one size fit all mm-hmm. fits all. But in reality, it's just, you got to explore it yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to explore it with your partner and it just, at the end of the day has to be pleasurable yeah. for both of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. For sure. Gives us a lot of freedom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Goodbye, everyone. Till next time. Peace, love, hormones. Hi, love bugs. Thank you so much with all of my heart for tuning in to another Peace, Love, Hormones podcast episode. If you feel inclined to do so, please give us a rating and even leave a comment review would be so helpful or sharing on Instagram or sending me a message, any of the above. I love it all and appreciate every single one of you. And don't forget to use code podcast, all lowercase podcast on your order of Soothe or any of the items available for purchase on the Peace Love Hormones website. And also don't forget to sign up for text and email reminders. Much love, Maddie. Thank you.